0: rabbit hunting at a fairly young age. We would take our beagle out to a farmer's land on Saturday mornings. Usually we would split up and just walk along somewhat shadowing the dog on either side. Sometimes we would kick up a rabbit and call the dog over or she would find one herself. So on days with not many rabbits, we would end up walking a couple of miles in before turning around. On one such day, I stumbled on a clearing with a pile of hair at the edge. At first, I thought it must be some animal fur, but then I realized it was spread all around the edge of the clearing and scattered around in the clearing as well, and also appeared to be human hair. Having no clue what I had found other than a shit ton of human hair a couple of miles into the woods, it was pretty creepy. Turned out I had stumbled on someone's harvested marijuana crop. The hair is used to keep animals away. So, ended up not so creepy. Tanzania dawn. We're on a platform that we built in a tree overlooking a carcass of a hippo, waiting when the king of jungle would come for its morning feast and our perfect shot. Suddenly, our PHR guide, or professional hunter, silently points backwards, pale, with a drop of sweat coming down his head while looking straight ahead. I look back and see a pair of eyes about five meters from me sitting on a branch, the red sky gently reflecting in its pupils. A leopard. Now, leopards don't look intimidating comparatively to a lion or tiger, per se. But what makes them so intense is the fact that they always finish what they start. If they pick a target to pounce, the target is done for. What a leopard does is it jumps and hugs you with its claws, gently bites you in the neck, and then starts going apishit with its feet right at your abdomen. We're about 1,000 miles from the closest hospital. I am also the youngest the natural target. Fortunately, the story ends in a rather boring fashion. The leopard looked at us for a little bit and just said F these guys and left. I've never been one to dwell on the supernatural or the unexplainable, but there are moments in life when reality blurs with the inexplicable and you're left questioning the very fabric of existence. What I'm about to recount is one of those moments, a chapter from my time as a special forces soldier working alongside the CIA, deep within the heart of Mexico. Our mission was anything but routine. We were tasked with infiltrating a top secret government facility known as Project Spectre. It was supposedly a biolab, but the secrecy surrounding it was suffocating. Our journey through the shadows of this underground complex would forever etch horrors into my memory. As we navigated the labyrinthine passages of the facility, the oppressive air seemed to weigh us down. Our team had dealt with cartel members earlier on our way in, but nothing could have prepared us for what awaited us deep within the bowels of Project Spectre. The complex was a maze of sterile white walls and cold, metallic surfaces. We passed by strange surgical apparatus, each more horrifying than the last. Our senses were on high alert, every creak of a door and distant, eerie hum amplifying our unease. Then, on one occasion, as we ventured further into the facility, we encountered something that defied all reason. It appeared suddenly like a specter emerging from the shadows, and the sight of it sent chills down my spine. The creature had a pale, human-like hand with large claws and skin that glistened like glass, as though it were covered in a clear, viscous liquid. Its face was a grotesque mask of milky white skin, with eyes that were an unnatural shade of blue, veins pulsating beneath them. Its long serpentine tongue darted in and out of its gaping maw, the only thing in motion other than the trees swaying outside in the wind. But what truly terrified us were its antlers, dark as mold, rising like twisted branches from its massive, deer-like humanoid frame. It must have stood at least seven to eight feet tall, a nightmarish fusion of man and beast. The creature's appearance was beyond comprehension, And before we could react, it lunged at us with a feral roar that sent shivers down our spines. We opened fire, our bullets finding their mark, or so we thought. The creature seemed unfazed, its glassy skin deflecting our shots, and it tackled us with a force that was otherworldly. We fought with every ounce of strength and determination, but the creature was relentless. Its antlers scraped against the walls, and its grip was unyielding. It seemed to have no purpose other than to sow chaos and terror. In the end, the creature vanished as quickly as it had appeared, leaving us battered and bewildered. We searched every corner of the facility, but there was no trace of the enigmatic being. It was as though it had slipped back into the shadows from whence it came. As I recount this harrowing tale, I know that there will be skeptics who doubt the veracity of my story, but I assure you it is a true account of the horrors I witnessed in the depths of Project Spectre. The scars, both physical and mental, serve as a chilling reminder that there are forces in this world that defy explanation and reason. Some secrets are better left hidden, and some horrors are better left unspoken. I lived a lot of my life in seclusion, though I spend a lot of time in the city as well. I tend to take the creepiest things with me to my home, and I've amassed a great collection of skulls and bones and various other items of morbidity. A few things I've experienced that might be of interest. Deep in the woods, I find a hole dug about three feet down. Around it, someone had constructed a rudimentary tippy out of shipping pallets, reinforced with greased rope and branches. A tarp was tangled over it, blown up by the wind. I peered in and found it recently lived in, freshly stirred dirt at the bottom. I lit the floor of the place with a flashlight and found a collection of undergarments belonging to young girls. All bright colors and cartoon characters buried beneath a scree of dirt, rocks, and leaves. A duffel bag of loot was tucked in the back, mostly vitamin packets and detritus. Empty liquor bottles. A man's bottoming out point, miles from civilization. The other place was near the grain silos, repurposed by the Salvation Army as an apartment complex for vagrants and mental patients. There was an old oil company, long abandoned and hollowed out, just over a set of train tracks and through a thicket of shrub grass. It was midnight or later, and I was alone. Being closer to civilization, I did not want to attract attention. I made my way in the dark. Starlight and moonlight offered me a little guidance, though I was mostly beneath an overpass. I heard a rustling in the distance, I was too far in city for this to be a deer, and it sounded bigger than a turkey, which can be found basically anywhere. I had my knife out, and I stepped closer to the origin of the sounds. I heard a groaning, a muttering, gurgling sound, a growling. It was growing louder, and I was starting to make out syllables. Not speech, per se, not words, but differentiated syllables. Just as the growling reached its zenith, I looked up and saw a man on a bike pedaling down the sidewalk on the overpass above me. He had headphones on, and he was listening to death metal and growling along with the vocals. I was overcome with relief, but also awash with dread, because now I know why people don't talk to me when I'm on campus, because I do that exact same thing. I've also found some really strange signs out in the middle of nowhere. From memory, I can say that my two favorites are Uncle Bart Will F You Up, and Outside an Old Slaughterhouse in Block Printed Scrawl, Cattle Operation trialer Closed. Please do not dump. You will be seen. I'm sure I can think of more if anyone is interested. I'm a weird dude. I've lived in Lake Charles, born and raised, but in 2004, I moved to Alaska to be a youth pastor for a church. I was living in Seward and was invited to come and speak at a church in Fairbanks, about a nine-hour drive. I'm from the south, not used to. I got there in January. This was in February. I took out on this trip by myself and had been given tips. This is where you want to stop. This is where you don't want to stop. Gas is real expensive here. Things like that. So I got out just north of Anchorage. North of Wasilla, up in that part of the country. There are people who have said that you stop and pick up hitchhikers. It's just kind of a thing. You don't really do it in Louisiana. Here it's life and death. If you see somebody on the road, you stop... So I saw a man walking north on the road, and I pulled over. He got in the truck, and I remember, just remember distinctly, he had a bit of a body odor smell. He smelled like a campfire. He was unshaven. His name, he told me, was Alex. He spoke with a Russian accent, and he said he was a mountain climber, and he said his favorite place on Earth was the top of Mount Everest, and that he was in Alaska to climb Mount McKinley so he was on his way to Denali Park. He rode with me in the car for about two and a half hours, asking me about why I was there, about my calling and feel on my life, those types of things with me. He gave me tips about driving on the ice, told me not to do things that would have caused error. We came to a town called Trapper Creek. I don't know if you were familiar with it. I was not going to get gas there. It was one of the places I was told not to get gas there because the prices will kill you there. He said, you'll want to stop here because the weather is too bad. Denali is going to be closed, and so I said, okay. He had been in the car for two and a half hours. We talked extensively about Everest and his plan to see the top of Mount McKinley. Well, we stopped. I got out, started fueling the car— He grabbed his small backpack that he had and walked into. I saw him walk into the gas station. The little junction station had a little cafe in it. He walked through the doors. When I finished filling up, I went in to use the restroom, pay and grab a bite. I asked the clerk, I said, "'Where's the man that just walked in?' And she looked at me and said, "'You're the only one that has been here for hours.' I said no, a man just walked through these doors. We spent twenty minutes walking around the back of the building. We followed the tracks, the two sets of tracks back to the truck. He was nowhere to be found. There was icy wetness where he had been sitting in the truck. The truck still smelled like him so at that point. I've chalked it up to, was it a ghost or was it an angel? I don't know what... I wouldn't have had enough gas. And when I got to Denali, the gas station was indeed closed. This story is 100% true. That means there may be some typos, and it may not be as fantastic as some things you read. But it scared two armed guys who have experience in the woods. My friend and I used to hunt in Ocala National. I would drive us into the forest with all our stuff, and then we would hike for miles. We would look for signs of wildlife like deer rubs, scrapes, tracks, and poop. We often came across signs of coyotes and bears as well. Often, we would start our hike in the morning, get back in the car and go get lunch, then return around 1 p.m. and hike until dark. This time we went in late, like 2 or 3 p.m., I really wanted to check out an area where a controlled burn is just now regrowing its vegetation. Deer paths are a bit easier to follow through those hogs bed down in the muddy parts, and it's a perfect spot to set up a stand since it's a wide open area. This area was about two miles in and another half mile down an old logging trail. Took about two hours to get there. We don't walk loudly or quickly because it's soft sand on the road, and we'll look for tracks. Sometimes follow a trail. Now, it's not incredibly desolate. There is a hard clay road we drive in on. I drove my BMW 740 IL and my Infiniti G37 XS in. Easy. The roads we usually follow on foot are only accessible by a lifted 4x4 but it's clear from the ruts that they are used at least a few times a week. Plus, no matter how far we go in, we find beer cans and bullet casings and signs of a fire. Usually, when we arrive in the morning, there are a few trucks with dog cages parked on the side. The good old boys run dogs through the sectors, so we try to avoid those areas. The dogs aren't cute puppies. They're mean and drag wild hogs down by their ears. So best to avoid them and their owners. They're usually good guys, but I'd rather not run into them when they're hunting. Anyway, we went in deeper than usual, this time hoping to get away from all those dogs and noise and to check out that burned patch that was just starting to grow again. We saw much of the ordinary, deer and coyote tracks. We also saw some bear tracks, big ones and little ones, both cool and bad. The only black bear I don't want to see is a mama bear with her cubs. They get very aggressive. So we reach the burn field and see a whole lot of nothing. We sit for a while and have a snack to see if anything comes through. After about an hour, we decided to explore a small, seemingly fresh trail, then head out. Like pushing brush out of the way kind of trail. We found the remains of a very old tree stand down the trail. And a beer can that was still shiny. And a pair of underwear that didn't look real old. We thought that was kind of funny. Some dude got drunk and shit himself or something hunting deer. Oh, I should mention we are armed to the teeth. Both of us have an AR-15 and a sidearm with extra magazines plus hunting knives. I'm a decent shot. My friend is an NRA instructor. Anyway, we totally mistimed our walkout and it got dark while we were still deep in the forest. There was only a sliver of moon, so it was dark. Luckily, I brought my flashlight and I had a light mounted on my gun. The trails are marked by ribbons on trees and can be hard to spot at night. I know that because we took a wrong turn. It's around 10, 11 pm at this point, and we are still walking and came to a crossroad we didn't recognize, and we realized we had been walking for 30 minutes down the wrong trail. So instead of taking the trail heading west, we just decided to backtrack. You can't really know which direction a trail leads in the forest. On the way back, we started hearing sounds. We figured it was rabbits or squirrels. No problem. So we continue and the sounds clearly become the movement of one animal. So we turn out lights out thinking it's a deer or hog and stop walking. We wait for the sounds to get closer. I slowly realize that this doesn't sound like something moving on four legs. But sometimes deer can do that. They step with two legs at a time when they are trying to be quiet. The sounds suddenly stop. Deer must have smelled us. But it felt like it stopped close by so I turned my light on and panned around. Now remember, this trail is barely wide enough for us to stand next to each other. So it's just... forest. On both sides and you can't see far in. I shine around and see nothing and hear nothing. We wait a minute, then give up and keep walking. Another 20-30 minutes go by and we start hearing rustling again. This time it's something really moving, not tiptoeing around. We figure it's a group of hogs, which made us a little nervous. Those things can suddenly surround you without you even realizing, but it clearly sounded like it was on our right. Also, small animals sound like bears when it's dark and quiet. Much louder than you would think. We stop on the trail to let whatever is coming pass over the trail in front of us. As soon as the rustling gets near the trail, I turn my rifle light and my friend shines the flashlight directly down the trail in front of us. About 30 yards in front of us, we just see a pair of white legs cross the trail and disappear into the woods. Okay, now we are freaked out. They looked human. And it's another 45 minutes of walking to get to the 4x4 only road. Then 10-15 minutes until we reach the car. And it all starts with walk straight ahead, where the thing crossed the trail. We definitely were weirded out. But both of us were armed and ready so we just kept going. Not much else to do. Not to mention it's midnight and we are tired. We hear the noises once more off in the distance, But it never came closer. We reached the car and usually we like to hang out for a while, check out the stars and talk. But we both had a gut feeling to just get in the car and go. We kept our guns loaded and hopped in the front seats. Remember, I am driving a normal sedan, not some off-road vehicle. So I have to take it easy turning around and leaving. I can't speed down this road. It's hard clay, but rain creates divots, ruts, and mud. Well, I go not even a quarter mile down the road, and I have to swerve around a deep rut. My headlights fall onto a guy standing there about ten feet from the woods. No trail or road going in. He is in a farmer's shirt and shorts. No backpack, gun, hat, flashlights, or anything I could see. He didn't wave at us like he was lost just standing there. He didn't look at us while we passed him, but he started slowly walking down the road as we went by. This is not an area where anyone has cabins for many, many miles, nor is there any civilization for a good 10 miles. This guy had no reason to be there. Is this guy what we saw cross our path? How would he trample through the woods for miles? This brush is not like the pinewood forests of the Northeast. It's thick scrub with nettles and palmetto bushes that cut you and snakes and ticks and all kinds of bullshit. I wouldn't walk through it in a long-sleeve hoodie and jeans and boots, let alone a short sleeve t-shirt and shorts, and why the F was he following us? Did we stumble upon this guy's hangout spot when we found the fresh beer can and underwear? We did not call FWC or the police. I don't know why. I guess we just did not want to deal with them, plus they would be suspicious of us being out in the woods that late. We both were certain we saw human legs cross the trail, but it seemed so unlikely we decided we were seeing shit. Then we see this guy standing in the pitch dark with no moon and no flashlight. What? If it's true that this crazy F was stomping through thick brush, He had been close enough to us that if he charged, he definitely could have tackled one of us before we could react. That is the weirdest thing that has happened to me in Ocala National Forest. I am not scared to go back. Typically, wherever the dogs run is a safe area. They scare off anything that would hurt you, including people. But I would rather not walk for hours in the pitch dark, just hoping our flashlights didn't run out of battery. We had our phones turned off to save battery in case we had to make an emergency call. If we even had service. At least we could use it as an emergency flashlight. Feel free to ask questions. I may have misremembered some parts. I wrote this at different times throughout my day, so there may be some parts that don't line up. i will fill in those gaps tomorrow. It's 3.30 a.m. now, and I don't want to edit on mobile. Thanks for reading. I spent 28 years in the U.S. Navy, almost all on aircraft carriers. I've witnessed some awesome things at sea bioluminescence, for one. But the creepiest was probably one of my deployments to the Persian Gulf, early 2000s. We sailed through acres and acres of dead sheep. Apparently, one of the big ships that hauls sheep up to the Emirates from Australia had a big die-off, and they simply dumped all the carcasses over the side. There had to be thousands of them. Aside from that, another time in the Gulf, we frequently saw huge balls of sea snakes. It is creepy as F. I was fishing in a pond about 15 miles from town. It was late in the evening, and it was brewing up a rainstorm. I was with my cousin, who is a couple of years younger than I. I was under tree near the lake, and I kept seeing something shiny across the lake. If I tried very hard, I could cast across the pond. I was aware of the lightning and thunder. It was a rough storm with plenty of lightning. I noticed that the shiny spots were large and an equal distance apart. I could see the beams better when the lightning made everything bright. I kept looking for a while until I realized what they were. There were more than I saw, I am sure, because they were all walking a path across from me. It is rather bushy on that side, except for a trail that comes over the hill. We had parked about half mile from the lake because of a fence. It was easier to walk than go around. After I noticed they were real, I called out to my cousin who had walked off a little ways. They kept looking at me than at him, their eyes still shining. Their eyes were big and round and had slight oriental slant to them. They were short and skinny, long arms, big heads, but not long heads, but large. I called to my cousin and told him what I was looking at. He came running and we picked up what we could and ran up to the truck. When we got to the truck, we looked back and could see more of them, but we were too scared to look for long. We rushed off and decided not to tell anyone. Now that I am older, I worry about my grandkids. This is a private lake and is used by few people. I have no pics. We did not carry cell phones at the time. Since they have been here for years, I don't think they are destructive to us, but they could be. Hey everyone, so just to kick off, I am normally super skeptical of anything paranormal, and I don't believe in ghosts. But I moved into an apartment ten months ago, and strange things won't stop happening. To start with, I went out of my way to find earthly, if that's the right term, explanations. But I am at the end of my wit and thought that maybe I would post my experiences here and people might help me understand what's happening. So a bit of background. I moved to Lisbon, Portugal last year, and I found an apartment in an old building. I think it was built in 1890. I live by myself, and I have never had a supernatural experience before this. All these events happened over the course of the 10-month period, but I think if I just bullet point everything that happened in chronological order, it's probably the most simple. I was in the bathroom, and I hear a bang in the kitchen. I go out and see that my bananas that were on the kitchen shelf had fallen onto the floor. I hadn't touched anything in the kitchen for a couple of hours, but I figured they may have just been unbalanced and fallen. I am working at my desk in the living room, and the mug in front of me starts moving by itself and then even changes direction and starts moving towards me. My reaction was actually like, this is cool, what's happening? I initially thought that it was to do with a condensation trail from the mug but when I picked up the mug, it's bone dry. Like I had had a cup of tea the day before and not cleaned it up yet. I tried banging the desk, but I couldn't get the mug to move at all. I woke up and saw a girl at the end of my bed. A girl I was dating was staying over that night, so I assumed it was her and that she had woken up. I asked, are you all right? And she didn't reply. I repeated the question and still no reply, so I reached over to tap her on the shoulder, and when I started to lean across, I realized the girl I was dating was still asleep next to me. A hit of adrenaline suddenly filled my body and went from being half asleep to wide awake. I was thinking, if she is here, who is at the end of my bed? Even at that moment, I was thinking I must have dreamt it but I looked up and the girl was still there at the end of the bed. I stared in disbelief and her figure just slowly faded away. I was left stunned. I knew I had been awake the whole time because I had taken my retainer out to speak and it was still in my hands. I had started feeling uneasy ever since seeing the girl, and at 2 a.m. in the morning I heard a bang in the kitchen. I had to really build myself up to go out there, and I had convinced myself I had probably heard something from another apartment. But when I went into the kitchen, a load of cans from the middle shelf, the same one as the bananas were on the floor, and everything on the shelf had been knocked over like someone had swiped it with their arm. At this point, I started telling people about these things at this point, which is kind of a weird feeling as an unbeliever. I tried to make an explanation for everything that had happened, but I couldn't really come up with a convincing story. I realized that a few things had gone missing from my apartment, like a few items of clothes and a small ball I used to help to stretch my foot. I look everywhere in my apartment, which is really small, but I never find anything. I also found a human scab on the floor. Super disgusting, I know. I had no scabs on my body at this point, and my only explanation is that maybe it stuck to the bottom of my shoe, and I brought it into my apartment. I also find hairs on the floor that do not belong to me. I hardly have any visitors, so again, this is quite a confusing thing to find. Everything then kind of settled down for a bit, and then last night, and I had another thing happen. Five. This morning, my jogging bottoms, I think you would call them sweatpants in the States, were on the floor and were soaking wet. At first, I didn't find this really weird, but then I started thinking about it, how did this happen? I was wearing them yesterday, so they were definitely dry during the day, and nothing else in the apartment was wet. No leak from the roof, the floor around them was dry, and there were no drip marks. I even checked the sinks in the shower, and they were completely dry. Even the non-paranormal explanations I could think of made me feel uneasy. I realized my door wasn't properly locked last night. Could someone have come into my apartment, wet my pants, and then left? I am sleepwalking. The jogging bottoms smelt just of water, but they were completely soaked like they had been submerged in water. I just can't think how it could have happened. I am actually moving out of my apartment really soon, but this whole experience has left me creeped out. Maybe there is a logical explanation for everything, but I am struggling. What are your thoughts? What should I do? I live in the Pacific Northwest and I've been an outdoorsy type ever since I was a child. Always been a fan of foraging for food and hiking, but I had an experience a few years ago that changed that. I was up in some deep forest just foraging like usual and out of nowhere, I had this chill run up my spine and felt an intense primal fear. I immediately became scared because I've never had this kind of intense fear grip me. I thought it was a black bear nearby or a cougar stalking me, so I pulled out my handgun and started to creep around looking for a safe place. I found this little clearing and crouched down so I could listen to the forest. I didn't hear anything except the usual little rustle and wind, so I thought it was okay. I get up to leave and I see this enormous hulking thing watching me about 50 yards away. Maybe 20 yards inside the forest on the other side of the clearing. Not even hiding, just standing there like a tree. I actually thought it was a tree at first, because it was probably 8 feet tall and 3 feet wide. Must have been 800 or 1,000 pounds. As soon as I saw its eyes, I was paralyzed with fear. Probably would have shit myself if I had any in my system. And it was super quiet too. I never heard it even when it started to walk off. I just felt its presence nearby. Not a, this thing wants to kill me presence. Just a, this thing could kill me if it wanted to, and easily kind of fear. I just stand there looking at it, it looking back at me. After about 30 seconds that felt like an hour, I started to back away slowly, keeping close to the ground in a kind of, I don't mean any harm way. Soon as I started to move it, just walked off. I think it had a fair bit of intelligence, and once it saw, I didn't want to do it any harm it just left. It might have also just been curious. So yeah, saw a Bigfoot once, and it scared the living hell out of me. And let me tell you, a handgun wouldn't have done shit to this thing, except piss it off. Even a shotgun might not have stopped it. Heard one while camping in the deep forest a few years later, too. It had this weird scream like an angry man-animal. Too deep to be a human, but indefinitely not an animal. It was like some animal-human thing. Wailed like an angry banshee. And I've been out in the forest for enough years to be able to identify all the animal calls, so I know this wasn't anything animal. If I go hiking or camping these days, it's right on the edge of the forest, in an area that plenty of people go around. F going exploring in the deep forest. By the way, I've been in the deep forest probably over 1,500 times, and only ran into this creature once, and only heard it once, so it's exceptionally rare. So I was just about 24 years old, when my cousin Charlie had gotten throat cancer. He wasn't really my cousin, he was my dad's cousin, but for whatever reason I always called him Cousin Charlie. Anyways, he and his wife lived up around San Luis Obispo, and when he was finally recovering from cancer, he went to stay in his estate in mainland Hawaii. At one point he needed someone to babysit his house in San Luis and I volunteered. Fast forward, I'm staying at his place by myself. We're talking satellite internet and television slower than a snail. I had found myself enthralled in a Lord of the Rings marathon and proceeded to stay up till around 2.30 a.m. Changing the channel meant whatever channel I was clicking meant it would choose four stations down from my selection, so I was hesitant to change the channel. The marathon ends and I proceed to make some green tea. That's when I hear it. A distant scream calls across the valley below. I knew it was a human scream, but for some reason I just refused to believe it. The thing about houses inland from San Luis is that you have a lot of room between your neighbors. We're talking about two miles apart from each other. If someone played music on the other side of the hill, You had no problem hearing it. I thought maybe they screamed because they were watching a scary film, or perhaps they were playing a board game. I really don't know, I just did my best to imagine it was me over-exaggerating. About two minutes had gone by, and I passed it off at this time, getting lost in infomercials. That's when I heard something familiar to a firecracker, but then I heard it multiple times. Something didn't seem right, so I grabbed the nearest blunt object and headed upstairs. My cousin Charlie has a 360-degree second deck, which I proceeded to go and take watch on with a fire poker. Like that would do me any good. I listened, but I could only hear the wind. I would later end up falling asleep in one of the rocking chairs, and then waking up about 40 minutes later. What I later found out from my cousin Charlie is that a man had got into a big argument with his wife and shot her as she ran from the house. I also later found out that because I was the only one who had left the outside lights on that she had run towards me, but died from her wounds about 60% of the way here. This still gives me chills. I live near Greensboro, North Carolina. The date that the incidents began was 2022. Two weeks after moving to this address, I witnessed trees in the park behind my home moving as though there was a huge heavy being moving from one tree to the other. But I could not see any visible being, though I know that this movement was not caused by the wind. Since then, I have seen a variety of strange, unreal things that I would never have imagined ever seeing in real life, except on sci-fi films. I have tried to take photographs of these anomalies, but nothing is ever captured. I've used a digital camera and an old Polaroid, but to no avail. There is something outside in my trees, and it is not squirrels. I can feel them watching me and have seen their neon green eyes staring back at me from inside of the thick tree cover where they try to hide and blend in with the leaves on the top of the trees. Something is definitely wrong here, and it really has me frightened. I know something has come into my home and assaulted me with scratches on my back and left a blood red scab at the base of my skull. It was as though it was punctured with a sharp object such as a needle. I'm convinced that the government and other officials in this community know about the activity. I collected some hair evidence that I know is not human. The hair is too thin and wispy, and the color is greenish in hue. I don't know what to do. Someone suggested I reach out to you so I won't lose my sanity. I never, in my wildest dreams, would have ever imagined these things to actually be real. It's difficult for me to accept the reality of it. Please contact me so I won't feel so alone in this madness. Thank you. Where my mom's house is, there is a river that runs behind it with nothing but forest surrounding it. Some truly creepy shit has happened to us, and some friends more than once down there at the river. First story, me, my boyfriend, and a couple of friends were camping out on the river's sandbar. I had my dog with me, her name is Anna. We were having a bonfire and setting up the tents before everyone showed up. Then Tim, my boyfriend, Robert, his friend, went into the woods to look for more firewood so I could watch the fire and keep it going until they came back. This left me and Anna by the fire by ourselves. Anna is very protective and I felt safe with her after they went into the woods. I immediately felt someone or something staring at me from across the river. This river was not very wide but there was very thick forest on the other side that abruptly stopped right at the river's edge. Anna senses it, too, and got up from where she was laying at by the fire, walked down to the river enough that all four of her paws were in the water, all the hairs on her back standing straight up, and she's staring and pointing with one paw up at the ray's edge across the river. I follow her and stand directly behind her, and also stare across the river. I suddenly hear whatever it is move. So does Anna. And it's not just regular human footsteps I'm hearing. It's moving trees. It sounded as if it was moving trees and branches out of the way to walk. Anna is following it, moving where it moves, but staying on our side of the river, and she's deeply growling. It's like time was frozen. I couldn't move, I couldn't speak. I couldn't see it because the fire was way up on the riverbank and Anna and I were on the river's ledge with our feet in the water. Both of us are just staring into the woods across the river. Anna finally stopped moving and now is closer and her legs are in the water now, and she's steadily growling. I'm behind her with my feet up to mid-shin in the water. I finally snap out of it and run back up by the fire and call for Tim and Robert. Anna stayed where she was, still growling. They hear me and come back with firewood. Tim says, what's wrong? I said, you didn't hear that? Robert said, hear what? I said, there's something across the river and it doesn't sound human. Anna won't stop growling at it. So the two guys walk to the river's edge and Robert grabs the pellet gun he brought with him. Tim walks up to Anna and says... What is it, girl? What do you see? And she's not breaking her stare, just constantly growling. All of a sudden, Robert and Tim hear it shift, as do I and Anna shifts with it to the left. Well, when it shifts, Robert aims the pellet gun where he heard the shift and fires a pellet into the woods. No sooner than we heard the pellet hit something, we all heard a low, guttural, deep growl for like a second. Once Anna heard the growl, she backed up and got close to Tim and whines a little bit. Then nothing. It's as if it just disappeared. I said, screw that, and walked my ass back up to my mom's house, and we canceled the camping for the night. Second story. We are halfway down the trail that leads to this river with Robert and a few other friends. My moms didn't like a lot of people over at her house, We are just hanging out, talking and bullshitting around, and all of the sudden, out of nowhere, it sounded as if a horse neighed, but more like a laugh, and everyone in our small group heard it. So we noped out of there and go back to my mom's, and are in my mom's yard, and we all hear it again, clear as day, a horse-neighing laugh, at the very beginning of the trail. The beginning of the trail is adjacent to my mom's yard. It gave us all chills and we couldn't logically explain it. No one in the neighborhood owns horses, nor has there ever been any in that neighborhood. Third story, again we Tim and our friends were in the trail of the river. This time we were walking down to the river. It was midsummer, and a lot of people were down there. We were looking forward to swimming and having a fun time. We get halfway down the trail, and we all see a solid black wolf sitting in the middle of the trail, near the end of it, facing us. I remember it clearly. It has yellow eyes and gray around its snout like it was older. This was at 12 p.m., 12.30 p.m. on a bright, sunny day, and people were in the water. You could hear them laughing and splashing. We all stop in our tracks and stare at it. About five people just staring in silence at this black wolf scared to move or make any noise. It stares at us back, and I should you not, it grinned at us. Not a typical dog grin where they pant and have their mouth open. No, this was more like a sinister, mischievous grin with sharp teeth and bright yellow eyes. It made my stomach turn. We were about fifty feet from it. And after about five minutes it stopped grinning, and it simply got up on its hind legs and walked away as if it was a human. We all just looked at each other, asking if we all saw it, and everyone saw the exact same thing. I believe we came across a skinwalker that day. I didn't tell my friends that's what it was, but I knew that's what it was. We said screw swimming that day and left. That was the last time we ever went to that river again. I honestly don't know how to explain what had happened to me. I believe I saw some sort of Native American entity. I was working as a ranger for the city of Austin, Texas. I just had one left of our reserve campsites when a very strange thing occurred. This was about 10.30 at night. I was driving my four-wheel drive pickup truck on a dirt road that led back to the entrance of the park. The area is a wooded hillside spanning 200 acres and contains a very large number of wildlife. So being nighttime and how many animals are nocturnal, I was watching up for signs of their movement on either side of me. It was quiet and I was the only one around. I had been following the road closely when I got this strong sensation, the road, everything around it, dense woods. I looked up just as a deer ran out in front of my truck directly in my path. It was something like 40 yards ahead of me when I saw it. I reacted immediately by pulling onto the shoulder, slamming my brakes. The deer now was only about 10 feet away from my truck when I swerved and it vanished as soon as it went out of sight. The feeling that it told me to look up subsided. Everything went back to normal. There were no other cars on the road, of course, being just mine. I sat in place, trying to collect my bearings. My heart was beating fast, and I had a headache, and I couldn't explain these feelings. What on earth? So something brought my attention to the hillside, right where the deer had come from. And that's when I saw movement about 50 yards into the brush. It wasn't clear. I got out of my truck to inspect and walked up to the spot where I thought I had seen the movement through the tree line. The woods were pretty thick, but about 20 feet into them there was a small opening and trees with lower branches and ones that were not as wide or tall. They almost kind of formed a natural corridor that maybe, I'd say, 50 yards opened up to the hillside before becoming obscured by the other trees and foliage. The ground sloped slightly upward, many leaves. I called out with my flashlight, thinking, Why would there be somebody out here? It didn't make any sense. Thinking maybe I was just seeing things, or it might be another deer. There was no answer, and that was it. I assumed it was just my own paranoia. Now, I didn't hear anything move past me, so I decided to inspect further because why not? Calling out loudly, I knew at least. I'm pretty sure I saw a movement. And again, there should be no reason at all why anybody should be this far out here late at night. The movement I saw was more like a person, not a deer, at least I'm sure of it. So I kind of very shortly walked up the hillside, never hearing a sound. I decided finally that, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to leave and head back to my truck. As soon as I got in, I realized there was something wrong, something strange and paranormal, if you will. As soon as I got back in my truck, that's when I saw it coming out of the woods ahead of me, slightly up from where the deer emerged. It is what I can only unmistakably describe as an apparition. It was this glowing, translucent being, but unmistakably a spirit. It shimmered, seeming to be faint, but nearly transparent. It came closer to my truck and appeared as if it were getting bigger, but also darker and more solid at the same time. It was this light grayish color, and then would grow darker in color, kind of pulsating. It just walked right past the front of my truck with no fear or concern about my presence whatsoever. It just walked by like nothing was there, with some kind of purposeful stride, without having so much as even a look of curiosity. And then, right there in my view, it just vanished, fading into obscurity. Not wasting a second, I flew my vehicle out of there, and my only mission in that moment was to go, 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 go. Before this, I thought ghosts were a joke. I had never been a believer in the paranormal or what many refer to as the spirit realm. But after this, that changed my mind and I'll never forget what I saw. But it wasn't until the following morning when I really kind of fully mentally processed what I saw, surprisingly because I didn't sleep that much. But a thought occurred to me and I realized what had really happened. What I saw looked like a stereotypical image of a native, long hair down to its shoulders, feathers, a headdress, actually. My professional theory is that somebody, a Native American, has gone through this road many times before in their lifetime, and they're simply showing me something that happened here at some point along the way. Maybe they stumbled upon these woods at night... And for whatever reason, they were killed on the spot by first contact European settlers who probably had no qualms about killing anybody different than them, including women and children. I do not believe this entity or spirit to have been malicious. It didn't come off as that. It was just something that happened to them in their lifetime. This spirit was merely doing whatever some non-physical thing does when in the process of trying to relive what happened. It's a possibility that this spot is where these people might have been killed or injured in an altercation. Maybe they were stuck between this world and the next. I don't know. Maybe they've seen my truck hundreds of times out here late at night over the years, and now I'm able to pick up on whatever happens to come through here. Who knows? Anyway, that's my experience with the paranormal. Hopefully, it will be my last.